0: This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. It's good to see you this morning. Happy New Year. I hope you're doing well and ready for 2017. 2016 was good. You know, I look back at 2016 and think, I some great moments, maybe some not so great moments, and then some very funny moments. You know, if if you live my life, uh, lots of things to laugh at, mainly mistakes I make. And um, but 2017, I'm so excited for all that God has for us, and um, as individuals and as a church and everything this year, I'm I'm really really excited, super pumped for it. And maybe some of us have, have thought about New Year's resolutions. Anyone got any New Year's resolutions? Be honest. It's all right. Just me and Jeff. That's literally all I can see. Uh, well, we could just catch up later about that really um, But uh, I, I, I thought I want to I run more uh, I do run from time to time That Time to time is quite an exaggeration really I bought some new running trainers about four weeks ago And used them for the first time yesterday uh, So yeah I joined the masses at the park run In, uh, in our local Townley Park And um, you know what? It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought, you know, part run, you know, we can, I can get into that. It's fun, it's chill, it's not competitive. That's a lie. Uh, it's very competitive. When you get an email saying afterwards, this is the space you came in, you were this number in your category, all this kind of thing. Um, and I really, really feel it today. I'm going to be honest, really. Uh, and most of you are looking at me thinking, you must run loads, you just look like a natural runner. Uh, you're like, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, that's why I wear a baggy shirt. Um, but no, I may, maybe you've made some New Year's resolutions. Are you going to make some New Year's resolutions? And uh, sometimes when we make New Year's resolutions, it is some sort of like self-improvement plan sometimes, isn't it? That we're like, oh, it's the first of the year. Um, in the last 365 days, but now I've got an opportunity to, you know, maybe, maybe uh, for you it's to, to, to do more exercise, lose weight, uh, maybe it's to, to join a life group, come to church more, start a business. I don't know what your New Year's resolutions might be. Some of those are, are good ones. Um, uh, not, you know, you can choose from those. I'm not going to choose for you. Uh, but there's lots of different things that we can do and they're really positive. New Year's resolutions can be a positive thing, can be something... But sometimes we make them, and um, if, if I'm honest, and maybe you've done this as well, is we, make, we, we don't really think about the steps towards it. We're like, I'm going to do this. You know, as soon as I finished the part run yesterday, uh, some of my friends are there, and straight away, literally, I'm like at the end of it, my stomach's in my mouth, and, and they're going, so you're going to do it every week? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't breathe. Never, never mind commit to doing it every week. And, and immediately I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to do it every week. You know, I, might, I might even do it 50 times next year, but I'm not going to do it every week because I'll be on holiday or something. And um, you know, sometimes our New Year's resolutions become this thing of, this, you know, I'm gonna, every week I'm going to do this, or every day I'm going to do this. You know it's the steps that we make towards it that actually we can then step into um, the things that we want to do. And, uh, and sometimes I think the, the problem with New Year's resolutions is our measuring stick is the previous year. You know, sometimes when we step into the new year, our measuring stick is the previous year. What if it's just a bit better than 2016? Well, you know what? I don't think that's a great measuring stick because I don't think that's God's best for us. It might be actually God's like, no, I've got 10 times better for you this coming year. Not just a little bit better than 2016. And sometimes that is the danger with New Year's resolutions is that uh, the the measuring stick can just become that. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but when you kind of get to New Year... And I don't, Did anyone have party poppers last night? I didn't where I was. You know, classic guy, 30 from any pound-based shop. Um, I did. Um, And sometimes we, you know, it's New Year's and the clock strikes 12 and we... And we're like, oh, hugs and kisses everybody, all that kind of thing. You know, it's really nice. Uh, And we think something magical's about to happen because it struck midnight. Um, Well, maybe for some of us it's just a bit like... uh, Meh. New year. What's that about? I wasn't even that bothered anyway. And sometimes that's what it can feel like. We fluctuate between these feelings of it's a new year, new me. We see all this kind of thing on on social media. But really, there's not something magical going to happen at midnight. We're not going to turn into a pumpkin or something from Cinderella. We're not, you know, something strange isn't going to happen at midnight. It's the start of a new year. And you know, when the start of a new year happens, it's not a magical, mystical moment, but it is an opportunity for us to recalibrate, refocus, re-energize and say, actually, no, this year is going to be my best year yet. My best is yet to come. God's got his best for me this year and, um... However, I feel when that clock strikes midnight, if you stayed up, whether I'm like yeah, or whether I'm like mm, or anywhere in between, that actually we can face forward into what God has got for us this year, and that's what I just want to talk about this morning is about facing forward, because sometimes it's so easy to look into 2016 and back and think, oh, look at these good memories, look at these good things, and uh, and kind of live out of good memories. Well, actually our aim should be to make new memories. Yeah. Yes. Our aim should be to make new memories, uh, and, but also not to dwell on the bad moments, not to dwell on the bad moments of the things that happened. Because what happens is when we, if we're still looking at 2016 and says 2017 is this way and we want to face into that, we want to face into everything that God's got for us, sometimes we get caught up in dwelling on, on the things that didn't go so well and we end up going backwards into the new year and we're so focused on on, on what has happened, what we've been through, the struggles, the challenges, that we miss the opportunities of the new. This is what can happen. And maybe maybe for some of us, we're like, oh yeah, but it, it was tough, and I'm not just walking backwards into new uh, you know, year, uh, you know, I'm going to go backwards into new in a bit of a stylish way, I'm not going to moonwalk for you um, at all. Can't in these shoes, wrong shoes. Um, but actually what we need to do is, is flip right around and say, actually, no, I'm going to step into everything God's got for me this coming year, and the plans and purposes that God has for us. You see, facing forward simply, and the message this morning is simply about this. It means looking into what is to come rather than dwelling on what might have been. Looking into what is to come, what God has got for us, rather than dwelling on what might have been. Because sometimes the might have been is worse than the bad. That we go through sometimes. Because we go through stuff, we go through challenges. But the might have been is sometimes the thing that, well, we don't actually know what happened there. Because it didn't actually happen. And so when we face forward, when we position ourselves for our best year yet. When we position ourselves, as we step into 2017 this morning, as we look forward into that. What we're actually doing when we face forward is making a prophetic statement over our life, I believe. And when we talk about the prophetic, sometimes we hear this word band around prophecy or prophetic. But really, I would simply define it as, and what we can see in the Bible is speaking the truth, truth and life on behalf of God. Truth and life on behalf of God. And that's what we see throughout the Bible. Throughout, when God speaks through people, it's always truth and it's always full of life. And sometimes that truth is hard. It's, the prophetic is not magical and mystical, uh, but we, you know, we believe that every preach, every message like this should be prophetic. Because every preacher should have heard from God. If they haven't, where are we getting our stuff from? It's not Wikipedia. Let me give you that. That when we choose to face forward, when we step into 2017, we're making that prophetic statement over our life. You know, 2016 or our previous years, sometimes we can go, oh, they were the good old days. Or this that was really good. You know, I've got that amazing memory. The good old days are yet to come. The good old days are in front of us. You know, if you want to use that phrase. Neither do the mistakes and challenges and struggles of the previous years be the things that hold us back from stepping into all that God's got for us. And so facing forward, there's a reminder that means looking into what can be rather than dwelling on what might have been. And our hopes... And dreams, sometimes maybe when we look back, maybe we feel like they've dried up or I had this dream to do this or I had this hope to do this. or I just, It just feels dead and buried. It just feels dried up. We well, you know what? There was someone just like that called Ezekiel. And so we're going to look into this, this guy called Ezekiel this morning who's got this amazing, amazing story where actually things were dead and buried. Things were dried up, but there is hope. And because we have a God of hope. And so in Ezekiel 37, we'll turn to that in just a moment. But who is this guy Ezekiel? Well, when I first, when I first hear that name, I think that is such a cool name. You know, people could claim that as a baby name maybe. You know, just yeah, get it out there. Uh, claim it. He was a guy who found himself in the middle of uh, this international upheaval that was going on in the world at that time. There was empires stretching for power, trying to, trying to beat each other. And he found himself in exile from his nation of Israel in a place called Babylon. It was in a time of limbo. His city of Jerusalem was being run by puppet kings who the, who the, uh, the, the empire of Babylon had put in place. And the reason that his nation was in a mess was essentially because his nation, the people that he was part of, has essentially just stuck two fingers up at God and said, we're going to do our own thing. That's essentially what they'd done. And this was the mess that they got themselves in. But who was this guy Ezekiel in the midst of this? Because he wasn't just a guy. He wasn't just part of this nation. No, he was a priest. He was a prophet. He was someone who was speaking truth and life into that nation. And sometimes the truth that he was speaking wasn't necessarily the truth that the people wanted to hear. You know, sometimes in our life, the truth we want to hear is not the truth that we need to hear. Sometimes in our lives, the truth that we want to hear is not the truth that we need to hear. And the people at that time needed to hear some real strong truths. And a good amount of the time that he spent was informing them about the consequences of their actions. But then finally, his city was dest- virtually destroyed. Jerusalem was virtually destroyed. The nation was at rock bottom. And then a message of hope comes through. I don't know if you've ever felt at rock bottom in life at certain points. And, and all the hope manages to spring through. God brings hope in through someone stepping in to our world. Maybe a lot, of that's p- a lot of our stories in this room today, that actually hope stepped in. Hope was brought in. And this is what we see. This is the message of hope, this picture of hope that we see in Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The bones were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will uh, come to life. And then you will know that I am Lord. This is quite a vivid picture going on here. He's bringing, Ezekiel's bringing a prophetic message for the nation. This is from God. Ezekiel's seen this and he's going to bring this to the nation. But it's a message of hope. It's a message of restoration. It's a message of resurrection for that nation. The nation that just seems dead and buried. The nation that's been through so much. Some of of their own fault, the consequence of their action. But God's grace brings hope to the situation. He doesn't abandon them. You know, when we feel at rock bottom. Maybe 2016 was a tough year for us. Maybe we felt like that at parts. God has not abandoned us. He never abandons us. And hope comes into the situation. And so what we find here is Ezekiel in this place of death and destruction, a valley full of bones. But he didn't focus on the death and destruction that was in front of him. He began to see the potential of what could be. You know, sometimes the things that we see around us that seem like that's dried up, that's dead and buried, that's gone, whatever it may be, relationship, works, colleagues, um, situations in our family, situations with our friends, whatever it may be, we think a dream that we've had, no, there's still potential. There's still potential for what God can do. And so when we are prophesying over our life for 2017, and we're saying, actually, now what, is, what is God's dream? What is God's vision for my life for 2017 and beyond? What's God's best for me for this coming year? Then it, that, prophetic, that, that prophetic nature over our lives, saying truth and life over our lives, saying, actually, this is what God says about us is always going to draw us further back to God, and we're going to face forward into everything God's got for us and not go into this year going backwards. And so Ezekiel faced forward into what could be, and he began to prophesy. And the first thing that we see is this is that it began to change the atmosphere. There was a new atmosphere. You see, atmosphere can affect everything, whether it's our personal atmosphere within ourselves and, 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 and kind of our uh, internal conversation, or whether it's the atmosphere around us, the atmosphere that we find ourselves in, it can affect so much, it can affect everything. And we need to ask ourselves the question, what is the prevailing atmosphere? What is the prevailing atmosphere in myself? What is the prevailing atmosphere around me? What is the atmosphere that's pressing in on me? What is the atmosphere that I am creating in my life and in the lives of others? And so what we see here with Ezekiel and this moment is that the atmosphere begins to shift because of the prophetic. Because he begins to speak truth and life that God is saying that's actually, when we speak truth and life, the potential of what could be, of what God wants to do as we face forward, where it begins to bring life. The atmosphere begins to shift. And the life was breathed into these bones. And I think about Jesus. I think about how Jesus did this, how Jesus shifted atmosphere. Jesus coming as a baby at Christmas, that was atmosphere shifting. Coming in vulnerability, in a dirty stable, surrounded by broken people who didn't probably know what they were fully doing, that actually in the midst of that, there's a physical statement of the Son of God coming to earth to rescue us, to begin more of the restoration of the world. But it's also a prophetic moment because it's fulfilling prophecies from such a long time ago that we can read through the Old Testament in the Bible. But then it's also a prophetic statement to get involved. You see, Jesus got involved in our mess, gets involved in our lives. He got involved. And that is a prophetic statement in itself because actually I am going to bring life. I'm not just going to speak life from a distance. I am going to come as real, true life. And that life is just going to invade and grow and expand through the world. And Jesus didn't just shift the atmosphere in that moment, but that was the beginning of his life. But I think about so many other times. I think about when his friend Lazarus was, was dead. I was going to say dying. He was dead. Jesus got there. The guy is dead. The atmosphere is of mourning, is of this, 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 guy, this guy is gone. Well, Jesus ignored that, shifted the atmosphere, and, and the guy rose from the dead. I think about when Jesus met the woman at the well, the woman who felt so bad because of the life that she'd lived, and Jesus began to shift her personal atmosphere because he began to speak life and truth into her. And so from that point on, her life began to change because how she viewed herself, her personal atmosphere, had begun to shift. And when, so to speak life, we need to be facing the right way. To speak life, we need to be facing the right way. We can't be going backwards and sort of trying to see, and, oh, yeah, that, that'll be good, but I'm still kind of living 2016. Well, no, we need to be facing forwards So we can say, actually, no, I'm stepping in to 2017, and I'm going to shift my personal atmosphere. I'm going to shift the atmosphere around me. Because when we get caught up in the, in, the, in, the, in the prevailing atmosphere that is around us, then what happens is what we're trying to bring into that begins to get washed out a bit. You know, I think about uh, one time I was working in a school and, and uh, schools have all sorts of different atmospheres. Um, I love schools. I love working with young people. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff going on in schools. Um, and this school was a great school that I was working in. And we were about to do an assembly um, uh, about Easter, actually, and about what Jesus had done, and we were uh, we were sharing about what Jesus did at Easter. He had died on the cross, rose again, arose from the dead three days later. And uh, so we were going to go for it, share this message. And um, I was just thinking about, well, how how do we end this assembly? How do we land this this assembly? And and um, the the chaplain of the school, just before we were about to get up, he he came and grabbed me on the arm, and he said, "I really hope that you're going to give people an opportunity to choose life this morning." And I thought, this is a school. The atmosphere says one thing. You know, that there's only certain things we can do here. But this guy's like saying, no, go beyond that. Do something that's going to shift the atmosphere. Because what these young people, what these students need was life. They needed Jesus. And so we did that. And over 100 students came forward at the end to respond to the message of the cross and what Jesus had done for them. And I was blown away. But you know what? It was an atmosphere-shifting moment. Because the atmosphere said one thing. You can do this and we've got to obey uh, and and honour those boundaries in schools and the places we are. But someone came in and said, no, today is the day to shift the atmosphere. And so that moment, the atmosphere shifted. And I imagine we could think of many times where actually God's used us or, or he could use us in the future to shift the atmosphere around us and so in 2017 in our families in our workplace with our friends we've got opportunities to shift the atmosphere because atmosphere affects everything the second thing we see with Ezekiel is that when the atmosphere begins to shift new life can be birthed new life can be birthed and you may feel like my dreams my ambitions they just feel a bit dead and buried or they feel a bit battered or they feel a bit kind of way back Maybe dreams that God's put in our heart. But actually, God wants to breathe life into those things. Because what we begin to see, as we read on Ezekiel, it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man to say to it, this is the, what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as commanded and the breath entered them and they came to life and stood to their feet as a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They, um, they say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open up your graves, bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am Lord. And and when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. Wow. This moment of the bones coming to life as he prophesied. Some that had been scattered from battle. Some that uh, had been dead and buried was the image that we see here. And sometimes in life, we feel battered by the storms or the situations of life. We feel like our dreams are dead and buried sometimes. But actually, it doesn't matter how dead things are, God can still breathe life into them. God can still breathe life into them. Throughout the Bible, we see situations where God breathed Life into seemingly dead situations. I think about Abraham and his wife Sarah. She was told she, you know, she was so old she couldn't have children, but yet a miracle happened. And in their old age, they had a son called Isaac. I think about Joseph, who, when he was in prison, maybe his dreams had begun to fade, but then someone remembered what he had done for them. And God came through and gave him a new. Uh, New opportunity and breathe new life into him. I think about Moses who ran away because he killed someone and ended up being a shepherd for years and years. But God found him out in the desert and said, no, you're going to be the man to rescue the people from Egypt and give them back life. I think about David who, through the many different mistakes that he made in his life, and even killing a man and losing some of his sons and all these different things that went on, God restored him and still used him, gave him life. I think about Peter who denied Jesus three times and probably felt like, I just want to die, I just want to cope in a ball, I just want to... But Jesus reinstated him and said, no, you are going to be a key guy in what I'm about to do. I think about Paul who was a murderer and a persecutor, someone who deserved to die But God gave him a chance to bring life. And Paul then was a big part of spreading the good news of Jesus all over the world as it began to spread. So it doesn't matter what we have done. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter how many mistakes we've made. Even in 2016, as we choose to face forward and step into 2017, God's got new life for us. God's got new opportunity for us. And as the atmosphere changes and new life begins to come, God doesn't want a quick fix moment, I believe. He wants continual change and transformation for us to become more of the people that he's created us to be. To remain connected to him and to be able to live out all he has for us. And so when it says in verse 14 of Ezekiel, it says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle... You in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. God will put his spirit in them. And you know what? God wants to put his spirit in us. The Holy Spirit. He wants to empower us with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not new. But he can be new and fresh for us every single day. That just... As, this, as we read that and think, well, that seems a bit odd, God putting His spirit in us, how does that how does that work? How does that figure? We can understand and look at it through the lens of the New Testament, and we can see how God empowers us with his holy Spirit, how God enables us with his holy Spirit. but at this point with Ezekiel, he understands god 's spirit in a slightly different way. He understands this is God who we worship and he's going to put his spirit in us and his spirit represents his presence. And we see God's presence represented in so many different ways throughout the Bible. But is it just for Ezekiel? Is it just for those people? Well, no, because God's Holy Spirit is for all of us right now, wherever we are. Just as the band come and join me. That actually, it's not just for some individuals, it's for all of us. And his Holy Spirit is, 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 the, is the one who's transforming us, changing us, helping us, empowering us. And we think, well, how, how do we know if, if the Holy Spirit is, is doing that in us? Well, the Bible tells us in Galatians 5 that this is the kind of fruit we will see in our life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want those to be descriptive words about me. I, I want more of that. So you think, well, how do we access that? How do we, how do we grab hold of that? Well, a simple prayer that I try and pray every day, and don't do it every day, but I try to, is Holy Spirit, help me today. Transform me and change me. Work in me and through me. Because we're asking the Holy Spirit. God's not going to force His Holy Spirit into us. God's given us an invitation He's saying, I'll I'll put my spirit in you, but actually it's an an opportunity, it's an option. God is in, we have an invitation to invite the Holy Spirit in. Say, yeah, I want to receive that. I want to receive what God's got for me and how he works in and through me. So the Holy Spirit is not new, but he does do new things. And I believe that this year, as we face forward, as we step into 2017, the atmosphere begins to shift. That new life can be brought in. But it's through the Holy Spirit empowering us. It's through the Holy Spirit helping us, being in us, and working through us to see that happen. And so this year I'm so excited for what God can do in and through us. And everything that he's doing around us. And I want to finish by just reading from Isaiah 54. As a church, this is a key scripture for us. And you know what? It's because actually this year isn't just about us. Actually, we go beyond us. And so it says this in Isaiah 54. The context of this is is that this lady that um, it talks about can't have kids. And so this is what it says. Sing, barren woman. You who have never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Therefore, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you are spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities." Why would a woman who can't have kids expand her house, her tent? It's because she's believing for a miracle. In all of our lives this year, as we live that, as we face forward into 2017, our lives then go beyond ourselves because actually the lives we live as a community, we are enlarging the place of our tent as an individual. But then also, that's why we built this building. It's a larger tent to fit more people in. It's a picture of that. But our lives are also doing that as well. And so this year, as we face forward, we can stretch out and become even bigger than we thought we could be in God. And so facing forward means looking into what is to come rather than dwelling on what might have been. Let's forget about what might have been and focus on what God can do in 2017. Because if we go backwards into it, it'll take a while for us to turn around and then we're in it and we're like, oh, I've missed these opportunities. And then we start to go, oh, what might have been? And, but today we have the opportunity to turn and go, I'm going to face forward into 2017. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.